We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, much has been made of Lamar Jackson's leadership style over the years. And when John Harbaugh was asked a question on Monday, if he noticed an uptick in LJ's approach, well, the head coach said that number eight deserves an A plus in that department. Yeah, I know we both appreciated his answer there, so we will share that with you. But the question was only posed to Harbs because of what Marlon Humphrey shared post game about the changes he himself has noticed from Lamar. So much more to come on that, including an update on Keaton Mitchell's injury, Sarah. Yes, and depending on your expectation, could be a very positive update. So I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Tuesday, December 19th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault, presented by our friends at GEHA. So we're also going to take a quick look at what some national media are saying about the Ravens after their Week 15 win, including Richard Sherman, who isn't a believer in Baltimore or Lamar, plus Tony Dungy, Super Bowl champion head coach. He made an interesting comment on NBC postgame that caught our attention. Plus ESPN's Pat McAfee. He wants to see much more of the Ravens in primetime football after he was left mesmerized by Baltimore's performance under the Jacksonville lights. Bobby, I'm too old for this. I don't like what, where McAfee's going. Well, there's more to come, too, and who knows if that Miami game gets flexed. So stand by, everybody. We have all that more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. When you said in the intro that much has been made of Lamar's leadership style over the years, we know this because, in a sense, it um, it can be easily overlooked because it's it's sort of non-traditional, at least non-traditional that when it comes to comparing to some of the greats that have come through Baltimore, loud, boisterous, outspoken, right in the media, uh, front-facing, giving interviews all the time, and while Lamar speaks weekly, outside of what is required. <laughs> He doesn't do a ton of, and we've known that over the years. And so I think sometimes when when a player is quiet or reserved, sometimes there's this narrative that follows him for right or for wrong. In this case, we both think it's wrong that he's not a leader. And I'm not saying that people have been saying that recently. I just have appreciated. I've noticed an uptick from the, the vantage point that we sit here in, 
in terms of whether it's from a vocal standpoint, whether it's other players speaking out like Marlon Humphrey did post game about the changes that they've seen in his demeanor or his approach or his leadership style or his vocals. So anyway, when John Harbaugh was asked kind of his response to what Marlon Humphrey had to say, we'd probably play Marlon's first right before we get to Harbaugh. This was Marlon Humphrey post game talking about Lamar after the Jaguars win. A lot of changes he's done um, to, to really be the leader of the team, not just the star player, but also the leader as well. Like, I mean, like, how, how so was Just almost seems like from everything, from getting the extra workout, uh, being the first one in, you know, breaking the team down uh, with speeches, um, getting on guys. So he told me, hey, bro, we need you to play better uh, this, this past <laughs> week. So, um, you know, it's all these things. Um, it's, it's been really encouraging, you know, um, to, to have, you know, he gets his big contract and um, he's really filled all the, the roles up them from even what he's already done. Um, his plays, you know, he's, he's always going to step up and play, but I think how he's carried himself leadership-wise, you know, just people see it and uh, people really respect it. By the way, Sarah, um, that advice that Lamar gave to Marlon, apparently he listened. Marlon had a great yeah. bounce-back game after struggling against the Rams, allowed just three catches in Jacksonville on eight targets for 23 yards, including a couple thumpers out there. So, um, hey, you know, ask and you shall receive, I guess. No, it's interesting because, oh, first of all, that was making, I was dying when I first heard Marlon Humphrey say, he told me that I got to step up. And it's like, yeah, you do. But I didn't know Lamar was like that behind the scenes because I, I just noticed it again. He was in that NBC postgame presser and he said in there, oh, my offensive line was, was blocking their tails off. Yeah. For moments for sure. But, of course, Lamar was focusing on the positive instead of the negative in the public. And I've heard people say so often, like, yeah, that's nice. He doesn't throw his teammates under the under the bus, but I kind of want him to get in their face. Well, apparently he does, but just not in front of the cameras, which is the right way to do it. So I know we're about to get to Harbaugh, but to me, that was the more important, the more important stuff to be like, okay, Lamar behind the scenes is demanding more from his teammates. I think he gets this from his mother. Leadership yeah. style wise. She, at least she, she's definitely not in front of the camera. She's like, how dare I'm not speaking to anybody? Why like he's he's they're both the same that way. If Lamar didn't have to do, if he wasn't required to be in front of the cameras, he would be up there much less. We all know those of us who have followed Lamar throughout his career, Felicia Jones is one of the most private individuals there is, whether it's in sports, whether it's in life, whatever. And she and hey, all power to her. I think there are a lot of diff there are uh, many similarities when you look at Lamar. He's extremely selective and mindful of what he says in the media, whether it be on the national post game interviews, like you said, not throwing his line under the bus, or his Wednesday media scrum at the podium. He has always been extremely mindful, um, and, and I think that this year in particular, knowing how important it is, knowing that he has now that that at the time that record setting contract and knowing that he's fallen short and but unavailable physically the last couple of years i just feel like this is all part of a greater picture underneath the umbrella of what harbs talks about and that is this singular focus that lamar is sort of spearheading they are too locked in they have too much tunnel vision to worry about anything else between the lines here's john when he was asked about essentially marlin's comments and this is what stood out to me during the press conference. And then you and I talked about it in our pre-show meeting. I think we were on the same page in terms of appreciating 
the careful way that Harbs went about answering this question in terms of if he's seen a difference in approach from Lamar. Yeah, it's kind of a comparison question that you've been asking over the years that I've never been answering. You know, I just uh, because when you answer that question that way, it, it basically says it wasn't up to snuff, or the, or the other person isn't isn't is less than the person you're comparing to. Same same question you just asked me, and that's why I stay away from that stuff all the time because. In the case of Lamar, it wouldn't be fair to answer that question, you know. Just and I appreciate you know you shaking your head and saying you understand, but Lamar's Lamar's been a great leader in his own way all the way through, and I think we all, you know, we grow, we evolve, we, circumstances change, we find ourselves in a different place. And I've always admired Lamar uh, for every every part of what he's doing. And I also understand, like all of us, we're all we're all dealing and we're going through things, and we're and we're doing our best. And he's always been that way. He's always done his best, and he's doing his best right now. And and he, I would say this, right? He's an A plus leader right now, and uh, he is doing. You know, I think he's, I think he's taking the team uh, in that sense. You know, he's kind of, um, he's just been, he's been, uh, he's been, uh, he's been glue. You know, he's been glue for the guys, and it's, uh, it's been great to see. That glue is awfully sturdy. Yeah, I definitely like the glue comment. He's, he's, he is very careful about comparisons, which I actually appreciate. But I don't mind comparisons to yourself. I actually think those are good. Like to me, it's like, why should I compare myself to Joe Schmo on social media or in, on TV? But to me, it's always like, am I better than I was yesterday? Am I better than I was a year ago? So to me, uh, he's almost a little too careful in this. But uh, I guess it's just, you know, him saying that he doesn't want to say Lamar wasn't a great leader before which is fine. I don't think that's what it's implying. If you say he's better now, doesn't mean he was terrible before. We always want to see progress, right? So, but yeah, I mean, based off of what he's saying, he's the glue. Here we, here we see Marlon Humphrey giving an example that he came to me and told me to play better. And then I got another clip of Josina Anderson saying that she, she witnessed some of it. But before we get to Josina, obviously you haven't reacted to John Yard yet. Yeah, no, I, I don't have a ton to say on top of what I already did. I just appreciated the, the the careful way in which he went about this. But I I think this is exactly what you wanted to see from a guy who, let's be honest, a year ago, and I'm not saying that he wasn't like again. I don't want to. I want to be careful too, not because we're not in house like last year. And I, what I was gonna say was, like I said, I think it was in the last week or so, how much of a weight on his shoulders last year was from a media coverage standpoint, the contract saga looming over him like a cloud. I mean, clearly I, I noticed some body language. I noticed that he wasn't as, um, I think you actually disagreed with me about this though, in the past in terms of his body language and, and overall just his demeanor. I just remember it not being as chipper as it once was at times last year, not as happy go lucky during media sessions, but again, it's media sessions. It's 20 minutes of his week. So I recognize that. There's a lot more time in the hours and hours and hours that go that go by within the um you know with, with within one winning drive. But anyway, the big point is this is exactly what you want to see from your franchise quarterback who um, has already you know broken about every every record that you can except for uh for getting it done when it matters most. And and he understands that. That's why they keep talking about this singular focus. That's why there's been tunnel vision, and I just appreciated the perspective there from Harbs. Yeah, so speaking of tunnel vision, um, 
I mean, there is nobody who stays as focused as Lamar does. I mean, he he didn't even know that the Ravens had clinched the playoffs. So, uh, he, and by the way, they had asked John Harbaugh about should Lamar be in the MVP conversation, which I definitely want to talk about this week at some point. We don't have enough time in this show. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I couldn't care less. And the beautiful thing is Lamar Jackson couldn't care either. <laughs> and when you, and so I'm bringing that up though, in, in a leadership perspective, because if you don't celebrate beating Jacksonville and clinching the playoffs, like that was your Super Bowl, then your teammates can't do that either. Yeah. If you're not celebrating that, nobody else can. So Josina Anderson, CBS sports, who is in different locker rooms every single week in the NFL. She's been, she's, she knows different moods and different makeups and cultures and all that kind of stuff. So she was given her report on CBS and they said, can you give us the mood of the Ravens locker room as they clinched? I think they're the first, right? They're the first in the AFC to clinch a playoff spot. And here's what she said. And she noticed something about Lamar. And quickly anecdotally here, because in the locker room, as we came in, I saw him huddle some guys around the locker and he was like, hey, 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 hey. And he started talking to them and he was still ministering as far as this leadership notes after the game. Like, you know, this doesn't just stop because I came off and I heard MVP chants. So he's locked in that mindset. And of course, I was still trying to negotiate for a sit down interview and all that other stuff. But we got that in. Lamar Jackson is doing his thing. And um, I think it's just great to see, especially when people doubt you and what happens have you for you to still come out there and stand on business like the the young kids uh, like to say I think that's uh, phenomenal for him and for the Baltimore Raven <laughs> stand on business Bobby I get that in so many of my tweets I put out so many replies stand stand on yes that's that's out there totally but so Is business ever was, spelled do they ever spell business as b-i-d n-e-s-s yes, yes okay, business cool. for sure yes but just I just felt I just felt like I would sound dumb saying it that way so I I, I, I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> Josina was standing on business, by the way, for the audio only folks. She was in an all pink attire, looking like a vibe out there at Everbank <laughs> Stadium. So that was fun. She sure did. She always, <laughs> she's always on point. But so she's like, yeah, they weren't even celebrating. They weren't even celebrating. Yeah. They weren't like popping the champagne. And then she said, here comes Lamar. He's coming off the field where they're chanting MVP, MVP, MVP. He does these interviews that are asking about MVP. He yeah. comes in. He's so even kill. Oh, I guess we clinched, which is not the goal, the ultimate goal, though. And then he gathers, she said, he gathered his teammates together and started talking to them, uh, presumably, about where they could still get better. So it's just, it's just evidence of like what we haven't been able to see in front of the cameras that he is going and holding his teammates to a high standard. And as even keeled as he is and um, sort of composed at the podium, we have seen moments where it's been pure jubilation, right? I mean, think about last week against the Rams. He was the first to get to, he was one of the first to get to Talon Wallace when everybody mm -hmm. exited the sideline. So it's a great mixture of energy and adrenaline and uh, enthusiasm in those moments. But when he gets to the podium and he understands that, that those are the clips that can go viral, those are the clips that are going to get eyeballs all over the place. And every single thing he says is going to get dissected for right and for wrong. Or, or for wrong. And so I just think that's when he's he's been at his best. Not I'm talking about off the field stuff as a leader. And that's what's contagious. And that's a trickle down effect that I think is what you're getting at there in terms of what's expected when your QB1 does that. Well, the rest of the locker room's kind of got to <laughs> go with that as well. Before we transition to the rest of Harbaugh's press conference, including an update on Keaton Mitchell, back-to-back -back primetime weeks, 
We got San Francisco, a trip to the West Coast coming up for the Ravens. Christmas night, 49ers, Monday night football, a massive matchup. I mean, it really is a clash of the Titans, if you will. Pat McAfee, after what he watched, like you said in the intro on Sunday night, he wants more of Lamar under the lights. Just put Lamar Jackson in primetime. Yes. Watching him every play is electrifying, even the plays where he either gets sacked or it's a turnover mm-hmm. or if it's a nothing play. It's like at any given moment, boom, that thing can explode. With the way he's throwing the rock this year, too, mm-hmm. not only just in the pocket, but on the run, he's dropping balls into absolute buckets. It's a fantastic offense to watch visually. And then if you look at how they're built, Patrick Ricard got a ball last night. He might be 275 yep. pounds, yeah, at least. 280 pounds. There are a bunch of dogs over there as well. The team is built to not only be entertaining, but be dominant, and they have been. A couple of those clips, by the way, showed a couple conversions between Lamar and Bateman, and I liked how Bateman stayed in those plays, working back towards the ball, helping Lamar out as much as he can as he's extending the plays, Rashad doing his part as well. A season high, which is not off the charts by any means, 39 receiving yards, but it's nice to see Rashad, um, one, express express some emotion in a one-on-one interview with Josina Anderson on the field clearly means a lot to him based on what it's already been documented, the, the kind of uh, challenges that he had both personally and physically this past offseason and really over the last two years. Uh, but he's you know, stacking some games. And I know expectations need to be higher for a former first-round pick, but I know you and I are still both pulling and, and hoping for um, that breakout game before regular season closes or at some point in January. All right, we ready for a Mitchell update? Let's do it. All right, so obviously that's outside of the win, probably some of the biggest news coming out of that. I had said last night, Bobby, that I was curious to see what kind of damage was done in his knee. Was it? I said, I mean, this sounds bad, but I, ho- I was hoping it was just a clean tear to just the ACL and nothing else because if it starts to damage cartilage or bones or other things, then it's not just like, okay, he'll be back next year. It'll be, okay, he'll be back, but when will he be himself? It's more like two years. So um, we know that Ian Rappaport reported that um, it was a ACL tear. um, And that's what they saw in the MRI. Um, And then he tweeted, his season is over, but he should make a full recovery. Harbs was asked about it Monday. Yeah, it's just, it's a long-term knee uh, thing. There there wasn't uh, cartilage uh, type damage and things like that. Uh, so that helps quite a bit and be a little cleaner and uh, he'll go to work. You know, he's, he's, I'm sure he'll be here every single day you know, with the team and, and doing his part to get back. So depending on your expectations, I mean, if you were hoping that Keaton somehow would come back this season, that doesn't sound like good news at all. Cause I mean, he does sound like he's done for the season, postseason, all of that. For me, I was more worried if this would be like a JK Dobbins type injury. So to hear that it is, you know, no cartilage, no other stuff. It's a clean more of a, a clean injury, then that gives more hope that he could be back to his old self, his the, the, the self that we've been seeing all year, sooner rather than later. Yeah, no other way around it, though. You've lost your two home run hitters this season. It is brutal. And so now Gus Bus, Justice Hill, and the newly activated off the practice squad are soon to be this week. Uh, Melvin Gordon will be asked to carry the load collectively i'm sure ken mccusick this one certainly stood out to me you know he's all about his numbers and uh, he tweeted that keaton's injury ends his 2023 campaign as we know uh, during which his 8.43 yards per carry is second highest in nfl history by a running back in a single season 
of 40-plus carries. Trails only one player whose 8.51 yards per carry is still in progress for the Dolphins, and that's Devin – I should know his last name. I just haven't watched a ton of Miami football. Is it Achain? Anyway, it's it's Devin for for Miami. I'll obviously know that before the New Year's Eve game. I just haven't watched a ton of a ton of Dolphins football. But uh, goes without saying, yeah, it was a uh, tremendous. Even though it was a small sample size since he was on IR to begin the year, just an awesome burst onto the scene for Keaton. And you kind of got what you wished for in the sense that it was a clean tear. So hopefully. That's a straightforward comeback for him, and it's not as complicated as other setbacks would be, which we know um, when it comes to you know knee damage is, I mean the whole kit and caboodle can be involved sometimes. So that's that's good news there. In terms of Melvin Gordon, who will rejoin the team, remember he's he's already played several games with the Ravens earlier this week this year when Keaton was down. John Harbaugh talked about what he has, and for the thirty year old who's been around the league for a long time. Well, I mean you know. Great question. I mean, Melvin Gordon is a, I mean, high pedigree football player in this league. I mean, it's it's almost kind of shocking that uh, that we're going to have the opportunity to, you know, put him into the mix right now, and and he's been wanting to be into the mix, but you know, and he and he, like you said, he was up for three games, and he's been practicing so hard and working so hard, uh, you know, when it, and he like we'd say, hey, when the opportunity comes, I'll be ready. I mean, he'd smile and say that to me, you know, once a week. And, uh, and, and you can know it was true because, because he practiced that way, yet I'm sure he was chomping at the bit, you know, and wanting to get out there and contribute. So his opportunity comes, and, and he's been there before. He's a he's, he's high-pedigree, great player, talented. You can't, you can't hide talent, you know. I say that to the guys a lot of times when I'm, you know, we're shooting, playing horse out there when I'm shooting, too, you know. You can't hide talent, you know. It's just and with, uh, it's a weak comparison. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologize. By the way, you know it was driving me crazy with the Miami running back. It's it's Devon Achan. So sorry. There you go. We'll yeah. be ready for Miami, but sorry, you were going to react to uh, maybe John's horse abilities, or well, what I were you going to go? That there? was I just thought it was hilarious that he was talking about horse, but um, no. So so Melvin Gordon, I said this, you know, after the game. Obviously, not the worst guy to have to be bringing up from practice squad. This is a veteran. I'm going to like him in pass protection, which we all know that Lamar Jackson needs wherever we can get it. With we'll how get to that in a bit. <laughs> yeah, with how banged up the tackles are. Um, so the pass protection will be nice. His veteran experience will be nice. I hope he doesn't have any fumbles. I feel like that's one of the reasons why he kind of lost, other than Keaton just getting better, but I felt like he lost his edge because of fumbles. So uh, Got to be careful there. And listen, I mean, it's like you said, Keaton was a home run hitter and the Ravens could, the, the defense just, just just had to respect him and Lamar in the backfield. And then Zay sometimes coming back there, they would run, run him in motion. It's like, holy crap, I've got three different guys that can run a four, whatever they run. Feels like a four flat sometimes. Um and so it's it's just not the same. It's just not going to be the same, but it is what it is. And so it's not the worst guy to have come back. And as I said, in terms of pass protection, they need it. And uh, Harbs did talk about the tackle play. Uh, it felt a little bit like Lamar talking about his offensive line being very generous. Yeah. Where it, oh there it is the OT play. Here we go. Here's here's Harbaugh. Yeah, uh, there's always going to be those things right now. You know, I mean. 
this is December, you know, and there's, uh, there's guys like that who are fighting through things. And you got uh, – he played really well. I mean, I thought Morgan played well. I thought Ronnie played well. And we're going against two really good – I mean, obviously, those are some power rushers. Those guys are probably the best in the league at power rushing off the edge. Really good. And I thought uh, they had their moments, you know, but, but our tackles had their moments too, you know. And, and Lamar had his moments too. But um, Daniel played well. You know, that was the thing. Daniel really took it to another level, I, I thought. And uh, since he was doing well, uh, you know, he got more reps, and uh, it was good for us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Cole Jackson, as he tends to do on Monday, started um, tallying the pressures allowed by the Ravens. And for those of you in the audio-only space, Ronnie Stanley is atop a list you do not want to be in as the franchise left tackle. He allowed seven. Uh, Josh Allen, the star pass rusher, for Jacksonville had two quarterback hits and six hurries. Ronnie struggled early and often with him when they were matched up. John Simpson allowed two. McCary, Falele, Morgan Moses, and Kevin Zeitler. Is that each one or all of them yes. combined one? No, I think each one. That's how okay. I take it. Okay. Yeah. And then Tyler Linderbaum, who we'll have some more notes on in the quick hits. Justice Hill, Pat Ricard, and Gus Edwards. Zero. Zero pressures allowed by the Ravens. So, you know, um, look, I've been following Spencer Schultz and, and Cole Jackson's tweets who've been going up back and forth all day long as we tape this on Monday the 18th, and it really seems as if Ronnie's having a hard time anchoring, and he's hurt. He was in concussion protocol yesterday um, on Sunday. You had Morgan Moses, who's playing banged up right now. It seems like there's some sort of upper body injury that he's dealing with. And so you, you, you kind of have your doubts, at least I do, about um, how sustainable a rotation, a tackle rotation would be come postseason time just in terms of um, chemistry and and rhythm and whatnot. But gosh, I mean, they, they're in a position where that's basically been their only option in recent weeks, Sarah, and it's at least it's working for them right now. Uh, I felt like it worked better 
uh, last week than it did, well, for did sure, this yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, again, he was generous. He said Ronnie had a great, a good game. I mean, seven, seven pressures allowed, two QB hits, six hurries. Um, again, uh, and that's not to pile on. And But I think the thing that I took the most out of John Harbaugh's clip was uh, he confirmed that Morgan Moses – he didn't outright say it, but basically confirmed that Morgan Moses is also dealing with an injury. Sounds like it's closer to upper body. That's yeah. kind of like the speculation online is that he just hasn't been able to punch like he normally does. Um, so, and then he was super generous to Daniel Falele. And here's the thing is like the numbers come out in Falele and some of these other guys, it's not a lot of pressures. It just, it's just like when they do, so maybe they'll have like some consistent plays in a, in a row but like the, the nature of the offensive line is it's like if you let one through that becomes a game changing play, then you had a terrible game, you know, and that's out of like, you know, if you usually these guys are playing the full game and so you get like 60, 70 snaps, whatever, 80. Um, so to have this many pressures with this many guys rotating it, it, it does add up. And when they've missed, they've missed badly. And so it's like just Lamar running back, running around back there, saving the day on a lot of it. So um, but this is another reason why Bobby, I want that number one seed, like the Ravens and these offensive tackles, they can use as much time off as possible as they're trying to work through their injuries. They're going to have a major, major challenge, um, San, uh, at San Francisco, obviously some of the best pass rushers in the entire league they'll be faced with come Christmas night. More from Cole, Ronnie's seven pressures allowed came on just 26 pass block reps. That's an 86.5 efficiency, the lowest of his career. Cole went back to the 2021 Raiders game, which was the season opener, if I'm not mistaken, on Monday Night Football in Vegas. Uh, he allowed nine on 40 reps, which was an 88.5% rate there. So, yeah, it's there's there's well, a lot. It is. It is. There's a lot left and, to be desired there. And a lot of love to those Jacksonville pass rushers. But to your point, when you got Chase Young and, and Bosa – coming up next like you like it doesn't matter who the competition is what matters is you keep Lamar clean no question before we shift gears to some of the national media and there wasn't a ton that we felt like was was relevant enough to throw in here we did want to mention that the vault is presented by GEHA Government Employee Health Association who's proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families for 86 years and with over 2 million members and growing GEHA continues to serve those members and families who serve all of us every day. And GEHA wants to give you the chance to show your purple pride with an exclusive pregame Ravens tunnel experience. We've been telling you about this for a couple weeks, and today is the day. This is the deadline between Dece December 19th. Today is December 19th. Fans can enter for the opportunity to be in the tunnel as the Ravens get ready to take the field on New Year's Eve. So, again, today is it. Two grand prize winners. Brought to you by GEHA, will receive the following for the New Year's Eve game home against Miami, December 31st. Two game tickets, two backyard bash passes, exclusive pregame tunnel experiences, one complimentary parking pass, and two Ravens gift bags. All Ravens fans living in Delaware, the District of Columbia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Virginia are eligible to enter. The contest is open to the public. You can see the sweepstakes rules in the show notes that we have for you below. GEHA. Government Employees Health Association, your friend in federal since 1937. We know federal because we only provide benefits for federal. Visit GEHA.com 
to learn more. You thought it was a good segue to share more of Cole in terms of some of the questioning of Baltimore's offensive identity before we get into what Tony Dungy had to say about the experimentation observation that he had, right? Yeah, so I saw um, Cole um, quote retweet somebody. Somebody had said, Ravens still don't have an identity on offense, and he quote retweeted it and said, I wholeheartedly agree with this. I genuinely don't know what their staple is. Open to anyone who disagrees to talk this out. So it's kind of like this topic of uh, the Ravens' offensive identity. You and I have said before, um, at least recently, it doesn't feel like the Ravens have put together a full game. I feel like they definitely did against Detroit, and I feel like they did against the Seahawks. But recently, especially since Mark's gone down, you, we, we still feel like there's there's something left, a lot left, a lot of meat left on the bone. So I read that, and I obviously feel like the Ravens' offensive identity is still the run game, as much as the um, as much as the Ravens. And, and Lamar Jackson are putting an emphasis on pocket passing and bringing in new wide receivers. I still think the staple is the run game, but I thought it was interesting that he put that question out around the same time or later, obviously later, but uh, uh, for me, when I came across it, I also came across uh, Tony Dungy's post game remarks from NBC. I missed it last night or missed it after the game because we were doing our own post game show but uh, listen to this little uh, snippet of what he had to say about the Ravens' offense. All night, and how much they're throwing the football around, especially in that first half. How much of that is, let's just make sure we show up to the playoffs with a healthy Lamar Jackson, and we'll run when we need him to run. I, I think that's part of it, but as, as Rodney said, I think they know they can run the football. And so, hey, if we're going to play a team that maybe gangs up on our run, we've got to be good throwing the ball. We want to have confidence in this passing game. I think they're kind of just experimenting that's, and that's working exactly, That's the exact yep. word I was about to use. That's exactly what they're doing. They're just out here trying to see the all offense and get Lamar um, used to just controlling everything. I love the fact that they've given him free reign in offense. That's fascinating. Uh, I think it's fascinating because, Bobby, this is a former head coach. Is he a Hall of Famer already? Or is he going to be? Or is he? I can't remember what. Oh, he's definitely, yeah, he's definitely a Super Bowl champion. I think yeah. he's already in Canton, but let me just check real quick. Right. Oh, yeah. You yeah, look it up. In. but he's yeah, in. He's in. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. I thought so. But uh, just obviously a very respected coach and football mind as a, as, a, as a Hall of Famer and a Super Bowl winning coach. So for him to, to watch the Ravens fully, a full game finally, and he's coming away being like, they're experimenting. They know what they have. And that's why I get Cole's question or I get some of the um, nerves going around because it's like it's, it's not clicking um, – Week in and week out, right? Like, so when Mark originally went down, well, that game, Lamar and the wide receivers went off. And then, like, the next game against the Rams, it wasn't – was it the Rams? Maybe it was the Chargers. Then the next week, again, it was like, whoa, um, OBJ just went for under 100. Flowers, you know, got his touchdown. It was just like, here comes the, the game. But then – and then we go back to Jacksonville and, like, the, the passing game had its moments for sure, especially with Isaiah, but almost everybody disappeared. And it's like – What's going on? And I saw another tweet. I, gosh, I should have brought it in. I'll bring it in tomorrow. But somebody who, again, this is like national media 
who don't get to watch Lamar every week. And he's like, Lamar's so fascinating to, to watch because you keep hearing about him and you think, oh, he just must be running around like with his, his hair on fire. And he was like, he's actually running it at about 80% speed because he's constantly got his head up and looking around and then also being safe while he runs. And it also, to me, while I watched Lamar back there being like, whoop, I just juked you and I'm not going to run and I'm going to keep looking. And it's like, whoop, I just juked you and I'm not going to run. I'm going to keep looking. Even his interception where, you know, it ended up being a bad decision on that one play, but it seems like more often than not, when he chooses not to run and go ahead and dump it off before he hits the line of scrimmage, it like 99 times out of 100 has worked out well for him. So point being... Maybe they know some of the past stuff that does work with them, but they know so full well, especially when they have games in hand, that it's like, okay, well, now let's try this. Okay, now let's try this, because that's what Tony's saying. It's like, it's all experiments, and maybe when somebody forces us, we'll have to lean into that 24-7, but until then, we're just, while we're winning and we got an 11-3 record, let Munkin continue to figure out what he's got. What a luxury to be able to do that in week 15. Right. <laughs> Against, a, by the way, another division-leading team that's also trying to go for the number one seed. On a day that you pretty handily lock up a postseason slot, you know, and you win eight of nine. I mean, that's that's a luxury right there. The, the tweet that you were referencing, just because I used it in, in my condensed version of our post-game show last night, is from Derek Klassen. Mm. Lamar is such an interesting runner because he's only ever going at like 80% and instead prioritizes vision and safety in a way I'm not sure I've seen from anyone else. Unique player. <laughs> I love the way he said that because it, it is as if he's going slow motion out there or not at full speed, and yet he's putting these world-class athletes routinely, week in and week out, um, you know, on a poster. Let's get to quick hits. We'll we'll, we'll come back to uh, maybe Sherman another time if we get okay. time. Maybe maybe tomorrow. But I think we're we're well over. So let's go to quick hits. Cool. Yeah, Kurt Warner. He just uh, we we've obviously covered some of his analysis of Todd Munkin's offense this season. He checked in on the 18th Monday, the day after, and said the the Ravens' offense is a fascinating watch. Sometimes it looks smooth and impressive, but others others spacing is not so good or Lamar doesn't see Reed quite quick enough, but because of Lamar, it can still be impressive with him simply making a play hard to know how to judge it, but I love watching. <laughs> there he goes again with the spacing, right? He's, he's harping on that. He's been doing it all year. Yeah. Yeah. But I, it's, it goes back uh, to me. It goes back to Dungy and it goes back to Cole and now Kurt saying it, it's hard to know how to judge it. Like, what am I watching here? All I know is it's phenomenal and it's fascinating. And at this point, you know, Kurt doesn't even know how to judge it. So I think it all kind of fits together. And imperfect. Imperfect yeah. is 11 and 3. Tyler Linderbaum was pretty dang close to perfect. I, in a lot of ways, this you could look at this as perfection. According to PFF, over 32 pass blocking snaps recorded. On Sunday night against the Jaguars, zero sacks allowed, zero pressures allowed. Good stuff there for Lindy. He is, remember, he dealt with a pretty decent banged up ankle sprain earlier in the year. Nobody talks about that. He ain't dealing yeah. with any anchor issues. So good stuff there. He's got a, <laughs> well, Ronnie's I mean, got a couple knows, years on him though. <laughs> well, yeah, who knows how severe the, 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 the each, each, uh, injury is but what i was gonna say is one of my favorite parts of john Harbaugh's presser which we didn't pull but um 
is they were asking about the Charlie Kolar tush push that they used with him. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, we've been working on it for a few weeks. And then out of nowhere, he's like, we have a really good center and two really good guards. He's like, so we feel like we have the personnel to run that. And so uh, if they find themselves in a third and short and a fourth and short with the game on the line, it sounds to me that they have confidence that they can do that again. And Tyler Linderbaum is a massive key to all of it. Hopefully one of those guards heading towards his first ever Pro Bowl nomination. He's been in the league for a long time. That's Kevin Zeitler. Continue to vote him in because he is deserving. Longevity boy. He's, he's consistent. He's stable. Awesome. Hope he gets it. Nice little nod here from the Baltimore Orioles. The Ravens put up a Twitter post of the Ravens defense celebrating in the Jacksonville end zone with everybody flexing. Roquan's loving it right there in the right-hand side. Look at Van Noy smiling like a kid in a candy store. Jalen Armour Davis flexing on him in the front. They used him in some third-down situations, by the way, on, uh, on Sunday. Good to see J.A.D. out there. But the Ravens account said, who's got it better than us? And the Orioles quote tweeted him and said, nobody with the devil emoji. Congrats on clinching. So some nice cross-town love there. And Justin Matabike, why'd you throw this one in here other than just his dominance? I just like that Lamar, again, I missed it because we were running so quickly, but Lamar calling him baby, baby Aaron Donalds. I missed it. And uh, I like that Lamar doesn't mind putting that out in the air, especially after he faced Aaron Donald and faces Matabike every day. So he feels qualified to do the comparisons. Remember, Matabiste, an NFL record, at least a half sack in 11 straight games. So, yeah, this is Aaron Donald territory, and this is big payday territory, and only a matter of time there for big number 92. Shout out to two of our returning patrons, Alan Jay and Jaron Fonville. Thank you guys for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond through Patreon this month. We certainly appreciate your support, and if you guys are interested in doing the same, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast. That link can be found in the show notes, and you can learn more about what we're offering. So, yeah, lots coming up this week, including episode eight of Inside the Vault with Roquan Smith. Looking forward to being rejoined by Agent Zero. That conversation will probably be released by drive time on Tuesday, later today. So if you want to get your questions in, you can tweet them at us or DM us or email us. We'll try to get to a couple that we like at the end of the interview. We got away from that last week just because of uh, timing. But we're looking forward to chatting with Roquan. There'll be a San Francisco game preview episode, hopefully at some point coming out this week. And special thanks to GEHA for sponsoring this episode. So for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Tuesday morning vault edition. We'll talk to you later this afternoon with Roquan.